what kind of emails that you get that you just know they're spam? The, the worst, it's not technically email, but it's the in-mail in LinkedIn. I finally responded to one guy who had sent me about five or six messages. And I was like, dude, seriously, take a hint. I'm not responding. He immediately responds with, I got you to respond this time. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. Welcome to episode 109 of Touchpoint. I am... Reed Smith. That over there on the other side of the microphone is Chris Boyer up in the snowy uh, northern part of the United States. Now you're just rubbing it in, Reed. I mean, honestly, really, it's just bad. We're going to have record low temperatures this weekend. It's crazy. It did get down in the 30s. I'm still wearing shorts, but it did get down in the 30s today. I did not realize it until I walked outside and hit the kids at school and I was like, whoa, hey, everybody back in. Jackets. I get a jacket. Because <laughs> it was like 70 yesterday. We always talk about weather at the top of the show. Yeah. It's five after top of the hour. <laughs> Special thanks to everybody listening out there. I uh, appreciate the support. Using powerful AI-driven solutions, Loyal has a solution called Guide that helps patients along every step of their journey, from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or a clinical trial. Whether you're using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging conversational platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizing efficiency and improves patients' digital experience. If you want to learn a little bit more, all you need to do is schedule a demo over at loyalhealth.com slash demo and ask them about Guide, their conversational chatbot. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. If you've not checked out some of the other shows on the Touchpoint Media Network, we encourage you to do so. Rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Uh, We certainly appreciate that. And that still is the number one way that you can help other folks find our show. Here we are for another week of Touchpoint, this time talking a little bit about everybody's favorite subject, email. We all love emails. We get them every day. In fact, some of us, that's the first thing we check when we wake up in the morning is email, isn't it? Probably so. Yeah, email. And maybe that's an indication that I am not a millennial because I'm not checking like Instagram first or something like that or Snapchat or whatever. Since we're hitting millennials up right here at the beginning of the show, there is a stat that I found that says 70% of all millennials are most likely to check their emails from bed. 57% of them check them from the bathroom. Hmm. And a whopping 27% check it while driving. 27? Yeah. No. The other 72% are lying. (laughs) That's kind of sobering. But email is still a very powerful tool in your digital marketing toolkit. I mean, honestly, we've been talking about emails forever. We've been using emails much longer than we've been using social media. And it's still a very effective 
You know, I think it, it kind of became uncool or, or not sexy to talk about when, when social really came on the stage. And for the last several years, say, 09 to 2015, it was all about social media. But much like podcasting, we've talked about kind of making a resurgence. I feel like email is starting to get a little more love and, and actually a little more play uh, as far as people actually opening them and, and taking action and things like that. So it still is a highly effective way to reach, especially in the hospital world reach those folks you're trying to trying to get to mom or uh, those boomers, for example, you know, this is still a, a very effective medium. So today we'll be covering the state of email marketing. We found a report that just recently got published about some of the things that are happening within email marketing. We maybe cover a couple of email marketing stats and, and delve into some of the new changes in email that might be important for us as we're considering email as part of our efforts. Yep, let's do it. The first thing we're going to take a look at is actually uh, a few findings. We're not, believe me, we're not going to cover the whole thing. There is a uh, 2019 state of email report, the data trends and innovations that shape successful email programs in 2019 is put out by Litmus. They uh, have a lot of great content. We'll link to this ebook where you can download your own copy. Because there is, again, 56 pages of wonderful content. We're just going to cover a couple of you know, kind of high-level findings. Litmus is an email marketing platform. I mean, they're, they're the technology. And so a lot of this white paper is around the technology. But they uh, not only looked at some of the technology trends, which is really fascinating, they have a, a couple of high-level uh, findings that they found. So why don't we just cover those right, right away? Um, the first is they said that when email clients change support without warning, your brand reputation and customer experience are at risk. And really what they're driving at here is that if different email clients continue to be fragmented, they continue to be different, and they always continue to evolve, and they evolve in different ways. And sometimes they add or drop support for elements that are part of an email marketing program without any warning, and guess what happens? Your email marketing program can suddenly change dramatically. Like your open rates, your click-through rates, whatever it might be, suddenly might be dramatically impacted. So that's talking a lot about... I guess the way email clients evolve and does your email provider, the marketing platform you're using, keep up with those changes? We we do see that, obviously, from year to year, uh, or maybe not year to year, but software iterations. And so if Outlook has a new email client or Apple Mail, one thing with, with Apple, for example, that comes to mind is the light and dark themes. Well, that changes the way email looks. That would be one example. Uh, Font support would be another, the way it handles graphics. Here's a really uh, one that happens to me a lot is we use email marketing, not only for external customers, we communicate with our, our internal staff with email. One of our email systems may may switch the, the network that they're sending their emails from, which happens to be blacklisted by... Awesome. And then so what happens is suddenly we send an email and it has a big warning sign, this could be spam. And really that's part of our weekly communication that we have with our staff. And suddenly everybody's going, wait a second, what is this? Are we getting spam? Do we get fished or whatever? That's the worst. 
this email may be coming from outside the organization. What? <laughs> you know, what, what do you mean? That's always a big gotcha. Uh, another kind of high level finding um, that, that we we plucked out of here is that inbox providers are working hard to improve the email environment and meet consumers' ever changing expectations. Your email messages must keep up with the changes. For example, many of these changes uh, are intended to make email more pleasurable, readable, etc., less painful for the user. But your visibility and engagement in the inbox can take a hit as algorithms decide what emails to spotlight. A good example they give here is like Gmail. Gmail uh, announced native support for AMP, mm. the Accelerated Mobile Pro- Pages project. Because that's the technology that they're really kind of leveraging as and, and indicating as the future state. What happened is, is with a number of email marketing programs that are sending to Gmail, suddenly you have to look at your Gmail clients as something a little bit different. You actually have to modify your email, your HTML in your email, in order to be more effective to Gmail audiences. And so suddenly you have to go and say, wait a second, why are our Gmail ac- accounts not performing as well? Or can we take advantage of some of this new technology? I thought AMP was an energy drink. So no, <laughs> The folks over at Google are just big energy drink fans. Is that what that means? <laughs> That must be what it is. No, that's that's a good example, though. A third point that they brought out is that data protection and security is really a concern. I mean, it does it's not only GDPR that's driving this. In Canada, they recently changed some rules. And of course, we know that in state by state, they're starting to address how email marketers can actually communicate with others. And that's something that's really become a concern, particularly because people that receive emails are so easily able to mark those emails as spam. And that could potentially have a negative backlash against you and your organization. It really can. And that's just something to keep your eye on from, from a digital perspective in general, whether it's ADA, uh, the GDPR example. There, there's going to be more and more compliance-based requirements around everything that you're doing in, in the digital space. And so that's probably a topic for another show. Uh, actually, it's definitely a topic for another show that we'll probably hit on coming up, but but something obviously to keep your eye on and you've got to ca- stay abreast of you know, what's new and what's changing. And, you know, something else they point out in here, which, um, again, it's not all nerd HTML talk, although there is a lot of that in this particular white paper. But there is some other stuff that's just kind of interesting to see and understand. And so still for the second year in a row, no real surprise, but the uh, primary email clients, number one is the native app on the Apple iPhone. So Apple Mail on your iPhone at like the tune of 29%. So getting pretty close to a third of folks and almost tied at 27% is Gmail. That's the your big chunk. I mean, right there is just shy of 60% of people reading the email. A simple thing is to make sure it looks good in a Gmail client, make sure it looks good on somebody's iPhone before you kick these things out. And really, if you couple in number three, which is a drastic drop down to 9%, that's the Apple iPad native app. And then the Apple Mail, the the desktop Apple app is number five. So again, one, three, and five are all Apple devices. Interesting. And number 10, 1% is Windows Live Mail. What? (laughs) What is that? I don't, I don't even know. Like, what, what in the world is that? Is that what happened to my MSN account? Did it become a Windows Live account? I'm not sure. I think so. I think that's where it is. That and, like, Earthlink. 
or something. Maybe it's like that now. I don't know. <laughs> well, related to that, though, which was interesting, is that mobile still remains the most popular reading environment. Now, you just mentioned, right, iOS, Mail, and Gmail are continuing to be the most popular email clients. Those are ones that are both native on iPhones and Android devices. It's no wonder that those are the top ones because I because mobile is still the number one way people read emails. They kind of slot it into three categories, mobile and, of course, desktop, but then a third one being webmail. So people, I guess, logging into a, a web-based client like Gmail, for example, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the, the vast majority is still... It even went up over the last uh, little bit is mobile. I mean, that, it's, that's still where everybody is. So again, it, it's nice and all, but make sure whether you're using MailChimp or Emma or Constant Contact or really, really anything that you do click on the little button. So you see what it looks like in the mobile device. You know, be sure you send a test out to your team internally. Let everybody pull it up on different devices, whether they be Android devices, the different iPhones. And, and that's another thing as they're apt to do. The iPhone now has like 19 iterations or something like that. But these new larger screen sizes, uh, I mean, the iPhone X, of course, but then there's the XS, the X Max, the XR, you know, so there's like three or four or maybe four or five different screen sizes. Then you take all the Android devices, et cetera. Anyway, just try to get a good cross-section, look at some stuff, send it around internally, look at it on different devices, and just, just make sure that your message is still coming across the way you intended it. Absolutely. And remember, when people are checking their emails on their phones, they're using their thumb to scroll through it, and they're, they thumb pretty fast. So just like we, we try to do when we talk about mobile first for our websites, that really plays a big role in how you structure your email. you got to make your email easy to read on your phone with your thumb as the primary navigation tool. Unless you get one of those Android devices that has the little stylus. I still don't understand. Like, I feel like I'm used to, is that like a handspring trio that, that you got there? Is that? <laughs> or the old Palm Pilot. The Palm right? Pilot. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. <laughs> those, were, those were the good old days when you had a separate iPod and Palm Pilot and your flip phone, you know, all at once. And then when you got the sidekick, you threw that all away to just go for that sidekick. <laughs> sidekick. The where you slid the keyboard out underneath. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a really interesting study. There's so much more in here that I think is really important to understand about email. They talk about voice and how voice search is impacting how people are reading email because, spoiler alert, your Alexa device, your Google device can read your email to you. So that's an important thing to consider. There's a lot of other good stuff in this article, so definitely check it out in our show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Spire, a full-service digital marketing agency focused on complex and highly regulated industries of healthcare, senior living, and financial services. Rapid changes in the healthcare industry are causing consumers to seek out trusted advice, demand more transparency and access to information and content. With over 30 years of healthcare experience, Blue Spire knows how to help you reach, communicate with, and gain trust from these consumers. We help you engage with the right content at every touch point, from the first symptom search to appointment scheduling through care management. Visit us at bluespiremarketing.com to learn how we can help you deliver relevant, engaging content through ever-changing touch points that matter. 
So now uh, you found another really cool article, again, that we'll link to. It is titled 40 Plus Powerful Email Marketing Stats You Should Know in 2019. So don't worry. Don't worry. Before you skip, skip along. Uh, we're not going through all 40. We're not, nope. not going to do all 40. Uh, but there, there were some really interesting ones in here that I think you know warrant uh, us uh, riffing on for just a second. So mm-hmm. The first stat that was pretty interesting is 35% of recipients open emails based solely on your subject line. Solely on that subject line. I, I, yeah. Or maybe they don't. open it based solely on the subject line as we mentioned earlier i mean so yeah so it is important don't overlook that you know it's funny because a lot of people have you noticed how people are are gaming the system where they add like the re and the colon where it looks like it's a response but it's not really a response or they use some you know we they've gone back to this like super simple almost like it's a personal email that just says like hey where you're like, oh, it's it's coming from somebody I know very well because they only wrote hey, you know, or dinner or whatever. You know, it's like one word or whatever. It's kind of interesting. If you're only looking at the subject line, the other stat that's related to that is 64% of consumers open an email based on who it's from. So those like kind of key stats, right, or the key elements of an email, the subject line and who it's from can drive a lot of action from your users if you do it right, right? If you use the right subject line, Mm -hmm. if you make sure that it's coming from a trusted source. Otherwise, you can send that hey email and if it's coming from some kind of weird uh, source, you know, you wouldn't open it. And that's why I guess you see a lot, like when you're using these email clients, people are putting their actual name. You know, they're trying to structure it like it's just just a plain old email, you know, coming from somebody you already know. Versus it being like a company or brand name is the from. We've been experimenting a lot, too, because we send internal emails to physicians. And we've been saying, well, should it come from the department or should it come from the clinical lead, the actual name of the clinical lead? What do you think gets open more? What's the highest open rate? Mm, Clinical lead. That's right. People open it more, even if it's coming through like a email marketing system, if the clinical lead, if their actual name, John Doe MD, is the one sending it out rather than you know, the, the cancer care department or what have you. Very interesting. Uh, another stat in here, email subscribers are three times more likely to share content on social media than leads who came through another channel. Whoa. Well, wait, you just blew my mind. So you're saying that people that subscribe to your email are three times more likely to share your content on social media? So they say. I mean, I I can see that because they went that extra mile to actually sign up for something additional. They're by nature engaged. And by default, logically, you want to make sure that you have the ability for them to share that content on social media within your email. The very bottom, say, share this article on Twitter or share this information on Facebook or whatever it might be. Isn't that the natural extension of that? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, in this article, it actually links to these sources. So if you're in a, if you're trying to substantiate a particular tactic on your email marketing program, definitely click this uh, link and get some of that original source data because it'll give you some of that information. Here's another one, Reed, that was interesting. The top industries using email marketing is healthcare or pharmaceuticals. They kind of group those two together. 
right? Which which always kind of bugs me because healthcare, which is hospitals primarily, and pharmaceuticals, I think they do a completely different type of email marketing, but that's beside the point. So healthcare pharmaceuticals is one segment. Travel and leisure and nonprofits are the top three industries that are using email marketing. I don't think that's a big surprise. No, it's not. I, I, I would be curious, though, kind of to your point, the breakdown of healthcare versus pharmaceutical. Because literally, I mean, yes, technically, letter of the law, they're both health related. Could not be more different. You know, provider side versus pharma. Yeah. And pharma tends to me, I mean, I do get a lot of emails in my spam folder that have Viagra in the title. So uh, <laughs> is that what they're considering pharmaceutical? I don't know. Yeah, using or effectively using would be another question, <laughs> or open rates or something like that. But the other thing that's that I thought too would be inter- is interesting about this with nonprofits. More than likely, those emails are probably tied to some kind of marketing automation or donor mm-hmm. type of system, like a you know, like a Razor's Edge or something like that. Mm-hmm. And with healthcare. Many of the emails that we send are tied to like e-newsletters and things where people s- subscribe and we send to them regular information about particular health topics and that sort of thing. So those things kind of make sense. And travel and leisure, I guess, naturally fits in that too, right? Yeah, I think so. Travel and leisure. I mean, if you think about like all the emails you get from like, say, Southwest Airlines, right, about some Las Vegas package or Cancun or whatever. I mean, that's still a, a huge way. Or maybe you rented a place at the beach, you know, you're going to get stuff from that rental company. Um, 95% of consumers who opted in for email messages from brands found them useful. That's actually a lot higher than I thought it would have been. Um, I think a lot of people opt in for stuff and then go, eh, that's not really what I thought it would be. So, I mean, that's a good indication. That shows a good sign of good content strategy, but that really puts in a high importance on the fact that you want to make sure your content is good and is useful, right? It isn't just spammy type of content. Here's another one that's related to social media. People are twice, two times more likely to sign up for emails rather than interacting with your company on Facebook. hey what? Two times more likely to sign up for emails. Isn't that crazy? They're more likely to be an email subscriber than a Facebook follower or fan. Wow. Study was done by Constant Contact, so you know maybe there is a little <laughs> bit of bias to that. But honestly, if you think about it, email marketing can sometimes still outperforms uh, social media. And that made me look a little bit deeper. And I found a related article, Read, Let's just go a little sub deeper, right? So now we're referring to another article while we're still in this original article that is called Why Email Marketing Still Outperforms Social Media. There was some research that was compiled by a company called Campaign Monitor. They are not an email marketing company, but they indicated that 72% of people would rather receive brand content through email as opposed to 17% who prefer to receive their brand content through social media. Wow. That's a pretty big spread. And I would assume that probably is pretty indicative of what we see with hospitals, just because if you look at, like with Facebook, for example, uh, it's predominantly female, it's predominantly 35 plus, you know, 35 to 65, something like that. And I would assume a lot of those folks would prefer the email. 
I would assume that too. That makes me wonder. I was recently uh, looking at a hospital, not our hospital, was looking at another hospital's email marketing campaign. They would be sending out like a series of articles every every month, and then they would turn around and post those on social media as well, independently as independent articles. You know, maybe what they're trying to do is just you know beat the odds and put those all together, right? Add the seventy-two and the seventeen together to get a bigger number. Yeah, absolutely. Well, within that same article, they do talk about, and I think this is an important point to make, uh, 39% of those that were surveyed want the email that they do get. They want that content to be more informational than promotional. They don't need any more Colhan emails about sales on shoes and stuff like that. You know, they want they want something that's, that's informational in some way. Why bother them with an email if it's promotional but that but then there's some asides there are certain brands that i do like promotional emails i like to know if like there's a sale on something uh but those typically tend to be more consumer packaged goods uh stuff like amazon related or even whole foods is doing a pretty good email marketing campaign recently that's more promotional in nature All right, let's jump back to our 40 plus stats because there's a couple more stats I thought would be good to cover. So we talked about this, right? Checking emails is the number one activity that people do on the internet. 94% of people go online for the reason of checking their email. That's a lot, but it makes sense. So email still is probably the primary communication medium that most of us grew up with first. Now, some of the generations behind us, that won't be the case. I've had interns do work for me. If you listen to the last episode where we talked about some of the rating and review components, uh, and I talked about, so, you know, we talked about some of the work and said, so, anyway, we, we've had some interns pull data and things like that. I can email them and won't hear back for days because they don't check their email. So I, I'd have to like send them a tweet. I think this will change over time, but with the majority of people we're wanting to reach, that's the communication medium that they grew up with in the digital space. And so it still will be the number one reason, I think, and the number one activity. So maybe for the for the newer generations, the millennials and younger, email is going to become what voicemail has become for us. Yes. Something we just don't check anymore. Yep. Gone the way of the carrier pigeon. <laughs> Next one is 78% of consumers unsubscribe from brand emails because they were receiving too many. So be cognizant of the frequency, right? How many times you're pinging people. Yeah. And I mean, when you say how many times you're pinging people, it's also important to have sort of an understanding of how many people are subscribed to multiple different types of emails. If you do multiple email marketing campaigns, you know, you might have one set up for cardiac service line. You might have one set up for women's health. You might have one set up for this. You want to be cognizant of how many emails that they're subscribed to and maybe don't oversaturate them. I remember I was checking one of our email programs at a previous health system I was looking at, and everybody must have read the same memo where they were sending the email on Tuesday mornings because they, they heard somewhere that Tuesday mornings is the most you know optimal time to send an yeah. email. Yeah. And we, we were sending 17 different service line type emails at the same time on a Tuesday morning. If I was one of the persons that subscribed to one or more of those, I would be freaking out. I'd be like, okay, I'm unsubscribing to everything right now. Right. Absolutely. Here, Okay. So we know mobile is the number one thing. People on mobile, they check their emails more than non-mobile users by an average of three times as much. So that's not saying that people do not 
have mobile, but people that predominantly use mobile, is that what that's saying, I guess? That's right. Uh, check it three times as much. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, again, we saw the the uh, saturation in the in the first kind of white paper we looked at of the iOS operating system, obviously, and kind of that native app. And so, yeah, that would make sense. But that is a lot. Three times is a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you just say? I was checking my email really quick on my phone. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just email it to you. 4% of digital industry professionals in North America use AI for email marketing. Whoa, we just hit Touchpoint Podcast Bingo right there. We dropped AI into this conversation now? Yep. Bingo. 4%, which is, is not a lot, but that's, I mean, that's a, that's a noticeable click uh, of folks. Uh, 4%. AI for email marketing. Now, that is really interesting. That stat got me to drive a little bit deeper into understanding what that means. And I came across another article about how artificial intelligence is reshaping email marketing. For me, AI, in many cases, we were talking about it in the context of like chatbots and other things like that. Maybe we've talked about it in the, in the form of like better digital advertising. Well, let's talk about some of the ways AI is changing email marketing. The first one is around predictive personalization. What AI can do is look at a list, particularly if you have a large list, and it can help you personalize the content of your emails depending on how people react to that content. That makes a lot of sense. And that's really the promise of like what marketing automation can really do if you have your system set up. Kind of along those lines, we're continuing down that path, I guess. The, the second influence is smart segmentation. So looking at trends like demographics, purchasing patterns, et cetera. And AI can use that information to segment the subscribers into you know, specific groups. And, and it does allow you to better understand those you know, consumer interest behaviors thereby personalizing the email experience. You know, it's obviously easier for you and, and the folks are, you know, that are subscribing are getting better content. And AI uh, used in, in automation too, automated workflows. Again, marketing automation, a lot of times when marketing automation first came into play, it was really based on, um, you know, you set up certain journeys and this is all manual. Well, AI is now starting to come into play where you can actually say, I want to set up particular types of campaigns based on this action of the user and it will automatically trigger that workflow within your system, so to speak. Number four, a little bit of an offshoot of the personalization category, which I believe was the first thing that you mentioned, uh, is an optimized subject line and email content. This one is truly interesting. Uh, not that the other ones aren't, but this one is pretty fascinating to me in the sense of like its ability to determine and generate human-like content, including the, the subject line and calls to actions and things like that that's consistent with, of course, your brand language, but through what they call natural language technology, AI can help find the best words that the recipient will respond to for the best results. So again, we talked about that stat earlier about people opening emails specifically because of the subject line. Well, this is how you make sure it's one that they definitely will open. That's how we get those email subject lines that says, hey, Reed, are you struggling with your mobile marketing program? Or it's like tied to Amazon. And it's like, you know, or, are you still interested in a new pair of, yeah. Are you still interested? Or did you forget about me for something I left in your shopping cart? 
Another one is about send time and email frequency optimization. That's something we always struggle with. We can read those articles, like I mentioned before, that says the best time to send emails in Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. But really, AI is really tracking, particularly with, with larger marketing automation systems, it can track the way emails are being open over a regular frequency of time and start to optimize the send and frequency, depending on how people are reacting to your emails. Number six, we're wrapping this up, is uh, multivariable and A-B testing. So AI tests are more robust than the usual uh, multivariate or A-B testing. Uh, So you can, I guess, in a a quicker fashion, identify trends, make predictions, even recognize the differences between different tests that, that go unnoticed. So some AI platforms even optimize their campaigns on the fly especially if it's, if it's like an online scenario, uh, e-commerce type scenario. So, you know, avoiding any sort of revenue loss or minimizing that, I guess. Can I do a little mini rant about A-B testing? A-B testing is you're testing one variable, please. If you're doing multivariate testing, call it that. Don't call it A-B testing. Sorry, a little pet peeve of mine. The last thing that AI can help with is analytics, of course, to really start to understand email marketing campaigns, look at some broader analytics, maybe even pull in data from other sources and start to, again, this is a lot of this is built into marketing automation programs today, really to understand how the consumer is engaging with the overall journey. There's AI in, in email, read. Well, that was um, certainly short of 40 marketing stats for email. So be sure to go out, check out that link. There's a lot of lot of great things in there and the stuff that you can use when talking through some of these ideas with your leadership. You know, before we jump into the interview, I, I think uh, one more article that you found, which I think is um, we could hit pretty quickly. We're still early enough in 2019 to do this, I think, but it's uh, titled Three Predictions for Email Marketing in 2019. The first is, with an emphasis on big data, companies can easily and should be segmenting their list by the interest of the customer base. It goes back to what we've talked about before, Reed. We should use email marketing as a way to begin to understand the preferences of the people that we're sending uh, information to and then start shifting the way we converse with them based on those preferences. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the second one uh, is all about video. So just because we're talking about email does not mean we can't talk about video. What they talk about in here is that 2019, they believe, you know, embedded video is not that they haven't happened, but will continue to grow for email marketers. And so uh, you'll see a lot of tutorials out there and things like that on, on how to do that, certainly. But bringing that kind of interactive element into your email. That's crazy. Email in your video. Um, what's next? Chatbots. Chatbots in your email. Exactly. Now we've really hit touchpoint podcast bingo. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> all right. The last prediction is that not all automation is created equally. And you want to be really careful about using automation in the right way. They bring up some examples in this article about the right ways to do automated sales emails are made to look genuine. Emails, they're useful once or twice, but if they're done regularly, they really show as cheap and inauthentic as we talked about before. you got to use automation in a way where you're also marrying that with a good content strategy so that you're actually sharing great content with people based on their preferences. Again, be careful of automation. Don't just use automation for automation's sake. Yeah. I mean, don't use 
any marketing technology just to say you do, I guess. But this is a great example of um, where that can fail you. You know, the takeaway here is that obviously email marketing is something that's still very effective. And I think you can make some assumptions and it's not a very big leap to say that, you know, who we, we hospitals, we provider side are trying to connect with, um, you know, marketing is still the predominant way that they communicate online. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. All right, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Reed Smith and joined by Jessica Tricoli. Thanks for uh, coming on the show for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me, Reed. We got connected through some mutual uh, uh, friends, if you will, from your HCA days where you spent a lot of time working in kind of the email marketing space. Uh, you're with Salesforce now. But for those that aren't familiar with, uh, with you or kind of what you've done, maybe give just a quick introduction to your experience as it relates to the, uh, the email and marketing automation space. Yeah. So I, I spent six years at HCA Healthcare in their uh, digital corporate marketing team, as you said, doing email marketing. So running campaigns, but I also admined the um, Salesforce Marketing Cloud instance that we were have that we were we were using to send out these emails. Well, I think I know the answer to this, but obviously Chris and I have been talking about email throughout the episode and, and more of the state of the industry, I guess, as it relates to email marketing. You know, you're getting to see a lot now. Is email still a good thing to do as a, as a hospital? Is, that, is it still relevant? Yeah, and I actually hear that question a lot. We know that there's this consumerism in healthcare that's going on now. So basically our expectations... Uh, our best experience is anywhere, our expectations everywhere. So if we're not receiving timely, personalized communications from our healthcare providers like we are from retailers, it just doesn't quite feel right anymore. And this is kind of across the board, across generations. Even still, email is widely, widely used. You really can't do a whole lot in today's world unless you have an email address as far as signing up for things. You know, people are in their email all the time. It's coming to their phone. It's still a really strong platform. There's still really great conversions that can happen through email. And as long as you're respecting the inbox is kind of how I like to put it. You're you're relevant, you're personalized. You just have to be smarter about email marketing in today's world. But to me, it's absolutely still relevant. That makes a lot of sense, and and, and I kind of like your, your viewpoint on that, and I, and I think you're right, whether it's email or whether it's just digital marketing in general from a targeting perspective. If you're putting your relevant content in front of somebody, they will read it. They'll look at it. They'll take action, You know, whatever, whatever the appropriate next step would be. 
um, I think they'll do it, at least, at least at a higher conversion rate and things like that. But before you even get to that point is just the philosophical, well, just like what we talked about, is this still a good idea? And, and I think, um, you know, again, whether it's email marketing or, or something else in the marketing space, you know, getting leadership's buy off on, yes, yes, this is a good idea. We should spend time, energy, effort, sometimes money around this initiative is, is important. And I'm not sure that folks outside the marketing space, when you say email, they probably think of something different than what we're actually thinking of. Yeah, they think of a newsletter. <laughs> They think of their newsletter, they think of their own personal inbox, you know, and those types of things. And so we're relying on kind of their perception a little bit. But, you know, what, what are your thoughts around how, how do we sell this idea to leadership or, or really anybody outside of the marketing department on why it is a good idea? Yeah, so I think it's, it's really just changing that thought from email being a marketing tool to really just a communications tool. So I like to try to put it in, in that in that way and take the word marketing out of it. Cause I think that can kind of muddy the waters a little bit to your point when you're not talking to someone who is focused on marketing. So showing that you can have these different operational wins is what I like to call them. Being able to automatically send out uh, online forms before a patient arrives. So that's going to reduce the amount of time someone at the front desk has to spend with them or has to spend uh, inputting information into a system. So you're freeing up time with that. If you're sending out emails around maybe online appointment scheduling, you're freeing up time that someone at the front desk has to be on a call with someone making an appointment. So you can show over time how communicating with people through email versus maybe some other channels or just not really communicating with them much at all, uh, you'll see over time that that really provides those operational wins. And of course, leadership is going to be looking at numbers. So you have to understand who your, your leadership audience is, of course. Are they looking at patient acquisition or retention? Are they more interested in volume versus uh, revenue? Um, so you can work with different data teams within your company to try to get some of those numbers that you may not have from the marketing side and to try to marry the two together so you can show, hey, we sent out X number of emails to these people and, you know, 60% of them made an appointment after they opened it. So that those, those types of things where you can show some <clears throat> attribution from your email campaigns all the way through how the patient is actually interacting in person with, with the facility. It's harder to delineate between marketing and IT, but it's also harder to delineate between marketing and quality marketing and, you know, if communications is separate, you have the internal communications or HR recruitment, you know, even the operational components. There's ways I think that, um, you know, marketing could become a better uh, partner, if you will, uh, within the organization as it relates to, uh, as you put it, operational wins, which I think is, is really smart. Yeah, absolutely. And if you kind of take a look at it, you can even see it through the lens of like, this is improving the patient experience and it can go as far as to improve patient outcomes. So if you have someone being discharged from the ER that came in for a heart attack, either they're being handed a pack of paper or their caregivers being handed a pack of paper, everyone's kind of in a, you know, freaked out state. You don't really know what to do. You may never see those papers again. Well, if you can send an email following up, you know, with that information, 
even if it's linking to a secure portal, whatever it may be, just providing that information to people uh, in a way that's not tangible, that's something they can easily access from anywhere later on, that's operational wins. You know, making sure that um, you're hitting those people enough if they're not opening those emails, because email is great because you have those types of metrics. You can tell if someone's engaging with your messages or not, whether it's opening or clicking. So if they're not opening these critical messages about their health, you can send them another one and try to, you know, ping them at kind of in different ways uh, to get your message across. So that's really effective as well um, to try to get leadership on board, just looking at it from the full, you know, patient continuum, the whole life cycle. This is how we can still stay engaged with people and it's going to bring them back in and stay in the network. There's obviously things uh, you know, elective type procedures uh, where there's pre-op dietary guidelines or um, they need to do certain things prior to or no-show rates or what have you that all can be influenced by technology and understanding are people engaging with the content or not. Uh, if somebody has not looked at pre-op dietary guidelines, well, that's probably a, a great uh, influencer of like, you know, who do you call first to make sure that, you know, see who has questions, you know, kind of a thing. So it can even influence non-email mediums of communication. You brought up a good point with the no-shows because I, I've seen a lot of different hospitals do this. And I mean, no-shows impacts the, the health industry. I think it's something like $40 billion across the board every year from is lost from no-shows. So um, when people first start out with their email you know, because it's in healthcare, they're kind of concerned about HIPAA and all this. Well, just simply reminding somebody that they have an appointment coming up via an email or sending them an email that has a picture of, you know, the building or anything that makes it easier for them to get into that office to go to that actual appointment um, is absolutely going to cut down on no-shows. I've seen that happen time and time again. So, you know, you get leadership buy-off. Everybody agrees this is a great idea. You've demonstrated or at least uh, have a good hypothesis around some operational wins and things like that. It doesn't mean that it's like super simple to do. You know, the, the technology side uh, maybe is, is easier because technology is becoming more sophisticated, maybe even easier to use. But there are still struggles as it relates to email marketing, No. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the two major ones <laughs> I would call out would be the data. So simply where are we getting this data from? Who has it? What are we allowed to use? So things like that. And then the digital assets, I'll call them. So whether that's having the proper type of landing page to to direct people to from your email, or you know, sometimes people get um, concerned about having enough content. So they're going to start this, you know, email campaign. Well, what are we going to put in these emails? You know, so what I've, I've found with, with some of that is really the content is most likely already there. So I always challenge people to go on your website, take a look around. Emails shouldn't be stuffed with content. No one's going to read all of that. So little bite-sized nuggets in more frequent emails tend to work better than less frequent emails that have, you know, eight stories in them. And it's easier to produce and it keeps people engaged more because they're getting um, a few more messages from you a little more frequently and they're consumable. So a lot of that content you can really just use from your website 
you just kind of have to look for it. And as far as the data goes, that is a challenge. (laughs) But if you're collecting email addresses, which you should be, (laughs) because it's a simple win. If you're collecting email addresses, you should be using them. And the very first thing I would say is set up an automated birthday email campaign. That's something that doesn't change. Your birthday is never going to change. You definitely already have that information for your patients. And I was constantly shocked and blown away by how many responses we would get back from patients uh, from an automated birthday message just saying, thank you so much, like looking forward to my appointment next week, you know, like just really, truly happy that they got these emails. It just, it always kind of shocked me. But, you know, at the same time, when I didn't receive an email on my birthday this past year from my healthcare provider, I was a little bummed out. It's definitely an easy win. And again, it goes back to that data. Well, that's something that never changes. And you can get that ball rolling one time and kind of just let it go and start with that. You know, that's a easy, easy win. And then it's going to start getting people used to seeing your name coming into their inbox. So the next time you send out something that's a little more targeted, it's not going to be the first time they've received something. That makes a ton of sense and gives you some sort of brand affinity, right? Like you're mentioning, you know, gets them used to seeing things from you and things like that. So those are, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's quite honestly, a an amazingly simple way to start. You know, sometimes people struggle wh- whether it's email or, or otherwise of just the actually the act of getting started. You know, is, is the hardest part. And so I think that's a great kind of a great kickoff. What, what are maybe some other ways of either things to consider or things to look at that people could take and run with? Yeah, I think another good one um, is a welcome email. So if you, you know, let's just start simple and call it just a welcome email instead of a welcome series. So there's triggered emails, which are obviously ideal if you have the data pumping into the system you're sending email out through, um, that's going to take some labor out of it for you. But that's, that's definitely like a walking state, right? When you look at crawl, walk, run, but a welcome series, let's say you take a pull once a week, from everyone who was a new patient who came in that week. Okay, it's still within the week. It's still timely enough. And it's just an email you send out that says, you know, thank you for coming in. Like, let us know what we can do to help. Like, whatever you need to say. It's simple. It doesn't require, you know, all of that health content and stuff like that that I know kind of freaks people out sometimes when we talk about email. But welcome series emails perform really, really well. Um, I've seen them get really high click throughs. So people are getting the email. They're like, oh yeah. And you can lead into, um, your website or whatever you're trying to push at that time. It's not a triggered situation, but it's still within that same week. It hasn't been that many days. So it's still going to resonate and be relevant to, to the person at the time. So that's, that's another one, um, that doesn't require a lot of setup monthly, you know, health awareness, if you will. Uh, emails that are pretty generic in the way that they speak about something. You maybe t- so. D- let's take diabetes for instance. Because of HIPAA, you can't say you know because you have diabetes. Here are some recipes for you to try this week. But you can say you know it's Diabetes Awareness Month, and here are some recipes we've put together. Check them out. Whatever. Knowing that on the back end, you have only sent that email to people who you know have diabetes. 
not calling out the segmentation to the people who are receiving it, but you're, you're, you know, not sending out, it's not just a batch and blast type of thing anymore. You know, you can get segmented. And as long as you're appropriate with the way that you word your content, then it's absolutely fine. And I think some of the preventative stuff obviously gives you another way around to some degree, whether it's heart month and you've got some screenings or the digital mammography piece in October, some things like that, obviously are probably a little easier to, um, uh, do from a segmentation standpoint that you don't have to be quite as worried about how you're wording things. This is this has been really great. This is really great stuff. And I think there's a lot of things there that people can take and run with and, and even understand. Um, I especially like the idea of, of highlighting operational wins for, for leadership. Thank you so much for being on the show. For, for those that may have additional questions or something you mentioned maybe sparks their interest or piques their interest, what's, uh, what's the best way people can uh, connect with you online? Yeah, I think the easiest way would be to send me a LinkedIn message. So it's uh, Tricoli, like broccoli, but with a T. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes as well. So those uh, that want to connect with you can, can do so. Well, Jessica, thanks for coming on and for spending a few minutes. And uh, we look forward to having you back in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. All right, Reed, that was a great interview and a great episode in general. I really, I really enjoyed the conversation about email marketing. I can't believe it's been up to episode 109 before we actually did a deep dive on some of the some of the best practices around email marketing. I know it. I know it. It's uh, something we use every day, and you know, honestly, it, I'm glad we did it. You know, it's just something I hadn't really thought a lot about from a episode subject matter standpoint. So, well, before we get to uh, reviews and, and whatnots, uh, South by Southwest, as you hear this, is starting in two days. It'll be Friday the 8th is when South by kicks off. And so be uh, down in the weeds of the health and med tech track. And so if you're around, if you're listening to this, you know, I'd love to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way to find me kind of on site. Love to hear from you. And Reed, if you're really feel up to it, I'd love for you to maybe capture some audio. Talk to some people there. And I certainly will. You could share that in a future episode. That'd be really great. Uh, a few months after South by Southwest, I think the next thing we have is coming up in May which is the Summit for Healthcare Strategists in Chicago, the end of May. And that'll be a fun one. That's always a great conference. Great exhibitors there. 
uh, great content. And so I would love to connect with anybody, anybody that's going to be there as well. Cool. Well, hey, before we, uh, before we get out of here, what, uh, what do you have for a recommendation? Reed, today I'm going to recommend a book I've been reading. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's by a gentleman by the name, I, maybe I'm pronouncing his last name the wrong way, Patrick Lencioni. Mm. It's one of these business books that is a, sort of a business fable. It's like a who moved your che- my cheese or a, our iceberg is melting kind of fable. But then the second half of it, he goes into uh, a model that he has around how when teams are kind of pulled together, what are the five things that can potentially break up or, or become dysfunctional within that team? We're reading this book. I have a, a, a leadership team that I work closely with, my peers, and we're reading this together in order for us to you know become stronger and, yes. and, and work more effectively. But I really found this to be applicable to... Any really anything. It doesn't have to be a team at work. It could be, you know, like how you, you relate with your spouse, your your husband, your wife, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, and it talks a lot about, you know, how you can be aware and cognizant of some of these dysfunctions and strengthen the way you you communicate, act together, and and actually effectively go through whatever it is that you're going through, work or fun or home or whatever it might be. There you go. I recommend it strongly. Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Len- Lencioni. Nice. I'm going to recommend a uh, another writing utensil. Uh, I've recommended a lot, I think, over the last couple of years. But um, I love this brand. I'm embarrassed to say I don't know how to say the name. Lamy, Lamy, L-A-M-Y. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a German company, so I thought maybe you could help me out on that. Anyway, I like their uh, the the particular model that I like is the Safari. It's been around forever, and so the Safari that they make certainly a line, and then you can get a fountain pen, the mechanical pencil, ballpoint, or rollerball. And it's a capped, the fountain pen and the rollerball specifically are capped pens, and then the the ballpoint and the mechanical pencil have the actuating, you know, little top or whatever that you push down. Anyway, they come in really fun colors. You can get pink, yellow, black, blue, uh, red, white, green, or yes, umber. Mm. I, I just want the umber one just because it says umber. It's also the only one, you know, they've got the little clip, you know, where you can like clip it in your shirt pocket or whatever. All the colors come with a chrome little bar, you know, as the clip, except for the umber one, which is black. And uh, it's a great pen, a great company, good design. It's just, if you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on some of the uh, more popular, like the snow-capped, you know, Mont Blanc or something like that, this is a really cool, like a real pen. Uh, you know, it doesn't cost you a ton of money. I think they run anywhere from like 20 to $50, depending on what model you get and that kind of thing. So You uh, issued a challenge to me because you said it's a German company. Mm-hmm. L-A-M-Y in German, you pronounce it Lamy. Lamy. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's what I'm going to claim it, how you say it. So there you go. <laughs> Lamy. Um, well, awesome. Good episode. Lots of great content. Would love uh, any feedback, uh, any ideas you have for up- upcoming episodes, or maybe even just smart people out there on the interwebs that we should uh, we should talk to. So thanks again to all the sponsors, all the listeners. Rate, review, subscribe over on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, we certainly appreciate the support. Touchpoint.health, again, is the website. And uh, for another week, another hour, I am Reed Smith. That's Chris Boyer. And we'll see you next time.
This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.